The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Eight year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk with champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Stephen Godfrey of SB Nation, good friend of the program, former co host of the flagship. All you longtime listeners know the flagship. It's turned into what is now Talk of Champions with me and Brad. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? What you been up to, man? Not a whole lot. Just, you know. Coaching my coaching my kids' softball team still, and and um, you know our softball team, the adult softball team. We that is um, I don't want to talk about, but yeah, it's, it's turned out to be we have have a rough rough go at it, um, bottom of the league, but we're getting better. Okay, stop. You can't say you don't want to talk about it when I'm obviously going to ask you about it. Because look, going into this season, everybody needs to know this. Going into this softball season, Brad, who's already a pretty Let's be honest, cocky guy when it comes to playing sports and stuff. You talk a lot of shit. You do. <laughs> he went into the season talking up how good his lineup was, which included Logan Power, former Ole Miss baseball player, Matt Mossberg, former Ole Miss baseball player, on and on. This was a stacked lineup. What happened? Man, I don't know. We went into the season. We, obviously, we have Logan. We have, I would say, seven of or seven or eight of our 12 players are D1 athletes. And we come out the first game, we win, no problem. We win by two runs, kind of a close game. We're like, man, this is going to be good. We're going to win this thing. We got our absolute shit pushed in for the rest of the year. I mean, these dudes know how to play softball. And anybody out there that's listening that's played adult softball, you got to know what you're doing. And we just got week in and week out just absolutely destroyed. Most humbling thing I've ever been through. 
um, just bad, bad, bad business. But we are in the playoffs. And oh, that's that's happening right now. Then that's breaking news because you didn't know before we started recording. That's right. We just we just got word that um, that uh, we were tied for the sixth seed, and they lost tonight and dropped down to the seventh. So, <laughs> top six teams got in. We did make it in there. That's all that counts. We're going to be like the we're going to be like Fresno State in baseball that one year, or the New York Giants. We're coming back to win this baby from a from the bottom seed. Oh my God! You had to bring up the Giants. They went through the Cowboys, who were the number one seed that year. So thanks for that. But look, <laughs> I told you this before we started. I feel like you deserve this. You deserved this humble pie that you're having to eat right now. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man. I was I was real confident. I showed up to the park the first day. I'm like, look, dude, look at all these guys I got. Like, this is gonna be easy. And um, uh, we have been getting our absolute A's whooped. It's not even close. See, the problem is you should have known better. You're from Hernando. You know how it is in North Mississippi when it comes to softball. You come over here to Union County, you go to Pontotoc County, you go to Ingemar, it doesn't matter. These guys have got, dude, you're talking about rednecks that just go to work, go home, drink beer, and hit tanks. And you honestly went in thinking that you were just going to run roughshod over them. You know better. You know better. You're just over you you know what's funny is my dad warned me because he played softball for years, like company softball, and he was like, listen, there's some dudes that, that can really play up here. I'm just going to let you know right now. I'm like, dad, dude, we got a bunch of athletes. We're going to smoke these dudes. Um, yeah, right. I mean, the the power company beat us like 25 to 5. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like humbling. <laughs> I mean, just at a whole nother level now. So um, we got to get better. We got to learn how to play softball, and um, it, it ain't pretty. Shouts out to the power company. I love that so much because <laughs> I knew that he was going to tell y'all about that. But the story behind it is so funny because y'all fall behind. What was it? 15 well, nothing? What was yeah, the deal? 15 to nothing first inning. They come out, we're the home team. 15 to nothing. So we come up. I'm like, oh, guys, no big deal. Let's get some runs here. We go three, three down. They put up 10 runs the next inning. When we're on our fourth batter of the game, we're losing 25 to nothing. <laughs> so. That was just um, a whole bag of humble pie right there. Oh, you knew better. You should have known better. You're from this area, man. Come on. <laughs> These dudes are country as hell, and they hey, take if, that stuff serious. If there's anybody out there that is a really good softball player, inbox me on uh, on the board. I, I We could use you. The Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate 247 Sports. Well, I spent my entire Monday chasing the Gunnar Hoagland story. But Mike Bianco, he didn't confirm anything, no statement issued. He went on head-to-head with Richard Cross, good friend of the program, and said that they'll know more after the MRI on Monday in the next 24 to 36 hours. What I took from that is Mike wants to address it in a more formal setting, like a press conference, one of those Zoom post-game press conference meetings with local media, rather than me come out with it, or whoever, Chase Parham, you pick your reporter, come out with it. But I'll tell you this. The MRI results were bad, and I'll just leave it at that. And the expectation that Gunnar Hoagland will miraculously come back to anchor this rotation with Doug Nikhazy, don't get your hopes up, because it's not going to happen. It's such a huge loss for Ole Miss to, if and when this is confirmed, because I'm not going to say one thing or another definitively, because that's up to Mike Bianco to do. It's such a huge loss, obviously, because that's the Friday night ace. That's the co-ace with Doug Nikhazy, the lead guy, top 10 MLB prospect for June. It's just a big deal. 
and it totally puts a huge gray cloud over the rest of the season. If losing Tim Elko was bad, this is worse. I mean, that was bad enough. That was a gut punch enough for this team. Now this? Gunnar Hoagland? If before the season I told you that Ole Miss by the end of the year was going to have Tim Elko playing on an ACL tear and Gunnar Hoagland not available, you would say, oh, God, it's over. It's over. Now, maybe they rally and go and win the whole thing. Who knows? It's baseball. But Derek Diamond, he's going to have to step up. But it's big news. It's big news if and when it's confirmed. Yeah, I mean, so the process of an MRI, I mean, obviously I've had a couple of these. Most most people kind of know. You go in, get the MRI, they look at it. I mean, dang near immediately, um, they know. You know, Mike knows. There's there's no there's no waiting for the results of MRI. Like, there's, doctor, right. there's doctors there. You know, as soon as you get it, they hand it right to the orthopedic guy or whoever's evaluating and they know i mean they literally look at it and tell you right there so um obviously he knows i'm probably waiting until the good time to break the news or whether i guess if there is a good time but yeah i mean that's just a devastating loss i mean you look at when tim elko went out that was brutal i mean it's it obviously was was felt like a gut punch but at the end of the day i was thinking you know what you know our guys will rally around which they did rally and the offense actually produced at a high clip after that um, but if you look up at a gunner, a loss of a gunner Hogan or a Doug Nikhazy, you, you're, you're looking at, I mean, it's almost impossible at this point. I mean, they, they yeah, it, it is these dudes. I mean, diamond could step up, McDaniel could step up and make it work. But I mean, you're talking about losing a top 10 pitcher that goes out there every Friday and gives you a chance to win. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't see it at this point. I mean, I, obviously I would be there rooting, but, um, I mean, that's, a, that's an uphill battle. I mean, you, that, that is the worst guy. If you picked one guy on this roster that you couldn't lose, yep. or Hoagland is that guy. You just lost your starting quarterback on the, on the baseball team, period. And the thing is, Ole Miss has lost five of its last six SEC series. It swept South Carolina. We all thought, okay, everything is normal. But even on that weekend, when Gunner came back, he left after 73 pitches. And we asked him afterwards, was it a physical thing? Do you feel okay physically? He's like, yeah, just I'm fatigued. Well, bicep soreness, that comes from shoulder pain. Then the elbow, forearm stiffness, it's all a bad combination for him. And um, you can second guess it all you want. Hindsight's 2020. Maybe he should have been shut down after the bicep soreness. But look, he wanted to pitch through it. He was cleared by the team trainer and he tried to go. But now to not have him is it's just a huge, huge blow. I mean, there's no downplaying it. It's a massive blow. And I don't want to go back and look at the uh, Texas A&M series because, look, that's been rehashed over and over at this point. And just the epic failure of in-game management in the finale to lose that game. So I don't want to go back and rehash all of that. I will say one thing that I always say, never, ever, ever bunt, especially with your hottest hitter over the last month, and the numbers back that up. But this is the news that matters. This is what matters. Gunnar Hoagland, if and when it's confirmed, not being available for Ole Miss baseball. And it just completely changes your entire outlook, like you said. I mean, even when things were going badly and Ole Miss had lost four straight SEC series for the first time since 2002, you still said, okay, well, they can easily turn things around because of Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy. And now that you don't have that or one half of that, it just completely takes out any kind of air in the room that was left from losing not only the Texas A&M series, but for this entire month plus that it's just been 
miserable and Ole Miss not being able to win series outside of sweeping South Carolina, it's just a bummer, man. And it sucks for him too. And you know how this is because you've been around players who have been in their uh, draft eligible year and their money's right there. They're heading towards it. They're barreling towards it. I mean, Gunnar Hogan's still going to get picked and he's still going to get picked high because it's only going to take one team to say, okay, well, we'll just put him through his surgery rehab. I don't want to say what surgery it's going to be, but his surgery rehab and we'll get him right. And he's still the top 10 pick that we all know he is. He's still that good. All the tools are there. But he was going to be, I think, a top eight, if not top five pick in the last mock draft of MLB.com. He was going eighth to the Rockies. And it was a month away from now was the draft. Terrible timing. Worst guy possible to lose. And it brings us to the lead of who will replace Gunnar Hoagland if he is no longer a part of this rotation. Our lead story tonight. The lead. You idiot, it's the lead. The Lead. The Lead brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Maybe you're a college student looking to get started. Well, our phone line sponsor for Talk of Champions, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. And there's no background experience necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who's highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. We could sit here and talk about creative ways to replace Gunnar Hoagland in the weekend rotation. We could float, hey... What about Taylor Broadway as an opener or just as a starter? We could talk about Jack Doherty, his emergence. Maybe you give a shot to him instead of going with Drew McDaniel or Derek Diamond. And covering Mike Bianco for so long, eliminate all the other choices and go with the most obvious choice because nine times out of ten, that's what's going to happen. So Derek Diamond's going to replace Gunnar Hogan. That's just what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think obviously they'll, they'll probably give him the ball first, um, see what happens there. But I. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but about Doug moving to moving to Friday, or if you just keep keep him right in the middle of the rotation and try to try to at least always get that second game um, for the last two series. But yeah, I mean that's just. I mean you just you have who you have at this point. I mean it's it's a it's got to be Diamond, um, Nikhazy, McDaniel at this point. I mean unless they want to want to maybe I don't know what else you could even try to be honest with you. Other than you said opening up opening up the doing an opener with Broadway or something like that, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how he plays it. I think it's going to be pretty much what we all expect. Look, Ole Miss is right there in the conversation and will be a regional host. When the NCAA announces the pool, the 20-team pool of potential NCAA hosts this week, Ole Miss will be in there, and they will host a regional at home. It's not a guarantee, but far more likely than not that they're going to host a regional at home. They're not going to be a national seed. I think part of the reason why... Mike Bianco wants to hold this news. And this is purely speculation on my part. I do not know why. But maybe it has something to do with when that announcement for the regional stuff comes down this week. He just wants to hold it until then. Maybe that would make some sense. Because otherwise, what's the holdup? And also the game that was scheduled for Tuesday against Arkansas Little Rock has been pushed to Wednesday. 
The weather ain't that bad on Tuesday. <laughs> if they really wanted to get that game in, and Mike Bianco has always been one that if they can get it in that day, they're going to get it in. To push it so early, I don't know. Maybe he's waiting for a number of things, not the least of which the regional announcement stuff whenever that comes along with dealing with the Gunnar Hoagland news. And also, he's suspended for that game because he got thrown out for arguing with the home plate umpire in the finale at Texas A&M. So a bunch of different variables going into that game. But my whole deal with the rotation is this. I would never move Doug Nikhazy off a of Saturday because Doug Nikhazy, doesn't matter the Saturday starter you line him up against. He's going to be able to beat or he's going to be better than every single one of those Saturday starters. So give me a, a Derek Diamond who on his best night, because you and I talked about this at the beginning of the year, remember? After he stuffed it against Texas. How he was one of the very best, if not the best, number three starters in the country. And then he just went off the rails. When Derek Diamond is at his best, he can beat anybody. He's got that kind of stuff. He just hasn't been able to put it together this year on a consistent basis at all. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, he's hopefully, I mean, the, the, the dream scenario would be this, would be Derek Diamond coming back. Um, and being that to, dude. Being that dude, just like for whatever reason, just finding it, coming out there with some confidence and and just and just absolutely lighting it up, just randomly getting hot here at the end. That would be Ole Miss's, I feel like, only chance to to really go as deep as we as we were thinking they could potentially go um, would be a Derek Diamond, um, you know, getting hot here at the end and returning to his 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 freshman year type of stuff. Yeah, he was two and zero, three point four eight ERA. Almost didn't lose a game in which he started, and he went at least five innings in every single game. That guy can win on Friday. That guy, this year, the guy that's pushing five in ERA, no, he can't win on Friday nights consistently. Because think about that: Derek Diamond against Kumar Rocker on Friday. You're already yeah. at a distinct disadvantage. But uh, look, Doug Nikhazy and Jack Leiter on Saturday <laughs> is a pretty even matchup. Jack Leiter is going to be a top 10 pick. So is Kumar Rocker. So Vanderbilt's on a completely different level as far as pitching than pretty much everybody else in the country. But you get what I'm saying? Gunnar Hoagland and Kumar Rocker and then Doug Nikhazy and Jack Leiter. Well, Ole Miss, that's must-see television. Yeah. I'd already heard about the number of credentials that had been requested from Major League scouts and just talent people, talent evaluators that wanted to come in and watch these matchups. They're not coming in to watch Derek Diamond and Kumar Rocker, but Derek, you come, you want to be legendary? You want to be legendary? Come out on Friday against Kumar Rocker and stuff it. You have the stuff. You're one of the most highly ranked kids coming out of high school. In the perfect game top 100 national rankings, he was number 37. He was committed to Stanford for a while. Something went wrong with admissions. I can't remember. It's been a while now. He ends up at Ole Miss. It was such a huge get. He was a 2019 MLB draft pick. The talent is there. This year, hopefully it's the anomaly. And maybe now is the time that Derek Diamond becomes that guy. Because you got to be that guy anyway next year. So why not start now? You really have no choice. Yeah, absolutely. And the cool thing about this is, listen... We have a kid that does have the stuff. He just obviously struggled a little bit this year, but um, you know he randomly. I mean, if there's ever now, if there's ever time to find it, it's now. I mean, it's if if he can, if he can somehow turn on here at the end. It would, it would, he would be legendary at this point to step in and and, and be able to fill that void. So um, I'm looking forward to it and seeing how a guy like that responds on Friday. Obviously, he has a big, big task ahead of him, and 
the end of the day, man, I mean, our offense is still, you know, one of the top offenses, which I thought I would never say that. Mm-hmm. One of the top offenses in the SEC. Um, so, I mean, listen, it's just going to put up some runs and 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 hope that, that our, you know, our hopefully Derek Diamond gets it together. McDaniel can put in some runs. And, um, you know, the bullpen just got to step up. We thought we had a good bullpen. It hasn't been a good one all year. Um, it's time for them to step up and, and start delivering at the right time. That's been the biggest disappointment. If you're looking as an Ole Miss fan at this team coming off of last year when they only lost one game, look, obviously replacing Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan, no one talked about that enough. That was their two very best hitters. That was a big deal. But still, as we talk about this today, as it stands today, Ole Miss has the number one offense in the SEC. Number one, which makes Sunday all the more baffling to me. I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but – here I go. You take down Hayden Leatherwood, who was three for three, to bunt with Ben Van Cleve. Tim Elko comes up. They obviously just walk him. So not only do you burn your best hitter for a month, but also your best pinch hit option when you could have just let Hayden Leatherwood swing away, as you've done all year. Ole Miss was last or tied for last in the SEC and sacrificed bunts. That's a good thing. You're talking about the number one offense in the SEC. Since April 5th, Hayden Leatherwood has slashed 468, 480, 872 in SEC play. He has six of his seven home runs over that span. And yet you took him down to give away an out. And also in the process of giving away an out, you burned your best pinch hitter. It's baffling to me. Just absolutely baffling. But point stands offensively, they've been really good. The biggest disappointment, even without Servideo and Tyler Keenan, they figured it out. Even with Tim Elko going down with an ACL tear, they figured it out. Now, we could all have our quips and qualms about lineup construction, including, if not at the top of the list, Hayden Leatherwood batting seventh for some godforsaken reason. But anyway, they figured it out. The biggest disappointment is the pitching. Gunner and Doug have been Gunner and Doug. But going into the season, in the preseason, what, what did we hear? They had the most pitching they've ever, they've ever had, the most pitching depth. 22 pitchers on the roster. And you could rattle off the names. Taylor Broadway, Max Chofi, Austin Miller, all these vets. Where are they? <laughs> Max Chofi, he got injured. He can't help it. Taylor Broadway, his arm is rubber at this point. It's been overused, just used and used and used. Austin Miller, he had a really good outing his last time out. But we haven't seen that Austin Miller very much. Tyler Myers, he's come around a little bit too in SEC play. For a while there, his ERA was pushing 11. Jack Doherty, who was supposed to redshirt, has made his way into one of the very top relief options on this team that was supposed to be so deep that not only... Would they never get to Jack Doherty? They wouldn't even have to entertain a Jack Doherty. And yet here they are. So yeah, you want to talk about disappointing things? You want to look at particular areas that really you wonder why it is what it is with Ole Miss baseball? Even though they've won 33 games, 14 SEC games, they're exactly where they need to be for hosting. It's still a disappointment coming off of last year and thinking this team was a national title contender because of the depth or lack thereof with the pitching. That's been the problem. 
and now you lose one of the very few guys that you just could ill afford to lose. Well, actually, if I'd have said to you, you're going to lose Tim Elko and Gunnar Hoagland, that's two of the top three guys you would have listed as the most important Rebels on this team. Easily. And the other being Doug. No doubt about it, man. I mean, the, the, yeah, the, those guys were just absolutely essential to this team. And that goes without saying. But if you go back to the bullpen, I mean, um, even I mean, even with Taylor Broadway, you look at I mean, he, yeah, he, he's been our better reliever. But, I mean, you look at the Mississippi State series and the Texas A&M series. I mean, he gives up a huge double in the gap to Mississippi State that essentially you know, gives them the lead or, or ties the game or whatever late in the game. And they give a grand slam this week. So, I mean, he's been – he's getting beat up a little bit as well in, in crucial situations where where in the past I feel like we would have closed those games out. Those are important games. So, yeah, all in all, I mean, the bullpen's just been um, – I mean, they, they've, they've really been bad yeah. to say. It's, and, the big, um, it's the biggest disappointment. Here's yeah. the thing, too. When you think about Taylor Broadway, Mike did exactly what all of us armchair managers would want him to do. Jack Doherty gives up the leadoff double, and he immediately goes to Taylor Broadway. Great. He gets two outs. Frizzle's coming up in two batters. Why are you even trying to nibble with these other two guys? Just throw them fastballs down the middle for all I care. The one dude who cannot beat you is Frizzle. He had five home runs this weekend, a walk-off on Friday, and a Grand Slam winner on Sunday. And you nibble and walk the two guys in front of him? That's my problem with what Taylor Broadway did on Sunday. But I'm not going to in any way knock Taylor Broadway and what he's done this year because his arm has been rubber. He has been thrown over and over and over again. Meanwhile, where's Greer Holston? I guess the stuff's just not there. It's just not there. That's the only explanation. That was the problem. He had the yips. It was a great comeback story, but he's been invisible. He's not on the roster. He's not on the travel roster. He's not traveling with the team. He's not an option. Mitch Morrell, he hadn't done anything. Josh Mallets, let's not go there. Jackson Kimbrell has been pretty reliable. He has as a sophomore, as a left-handed option for them. Did pretty good work over the weekend. But he hasn't been in any way dominant. Austin Miller, same thing. Braden Forsyth, who ended the year last year as the closer, he's lost velocity, he's lost command, and he's getting absolutely shelled. He got shelled against Arkansas State. I remember somebody asked me on Twitter about two weeks ago, where's Braden Forsyth? Why would you not give him an opportunity? Why would you not go to him, give him a chance? I was like, well, they don't trust him. And look at the stuff, look at the velo, look at the command. And I got just taken a task by this random dude on Twitter. Twitter's just a cesspool of shit. But anyway, I got taken a task from this guy. Oh, he was an All-American last year and he was the closer. Well, yeah. But the results are what they are. In the fall, he was really bad. In preseason, he was really bad. And he's done nothing to show that he's not really bad now. So Braden Forsythe, where has he been? He's just been bad. Wes Burton finally got an opportunity. He got hit around a little bit. I would give him more opportunity because he's got one of the few arms with upside on this team, I think. But all that pitching, all that pitching, right, that's been the biggest letdown. They do not have the depth that they thought they had. And I don't know who you lay the blame on because every Ole Miss fan right now wants to play the blame game. And I get it. And you only want to talk about one thing. And we all know what that one thing is. And I get it. 
the pitching depth. That's been the problem. At least when I look at this team and try to break it down, that's been the biggest problem. That's why they've been so inconsistent. They've lost five of six SEC series. That's just unheard of. We don't see this happen with Ole Miss baseball. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, they just <clears throat> you're right. They've lost they lost a lot of series and a lot of these games they could have won too. That's that's the crappy part about yeah, it. Yeah, so- competitive in almost every game. You look at Arkansas, you look at Mississippi State, you look at Texas A&M, LSU, you lose you lose a close one. I mean, it's just it's just like they just can't get over the hill and, and everybody's sitting around going, okay, like they're, they're going to be fine. This team's going to get it to going. But as soon as you think they get it going, it's just like, okay, we got to Texas A&M and lay an egg. I mean, to, to be honest with you, that team was not – they had one player that was that, that essentially beat us on the weekend. I mean, the dude, the dude absolutely harassed us. But other than that, I mean, I did not feel like that was – that was a team that we should have struggled with. So um, certainly, certainly an SEC talent team. You got to respect them, but a good team would go in there and whoop their ass. And that's, there's no other way to put it. I agree with you. And I think the most important thing in this discussion, this pretty depressing discussion about Ole Miss baseball for those listening right now, I can only imagine the Ole Miss fan riding to work or maybe taking their lunch break and listening to this. We're not making you feel any better. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not This is not the podcast for you. Stephen Godfrey might cheer you up in a little bit because we're talking all about football and the SEC meetings and stuff like that. But the most important thing in this discussion about Ole Miss baseball, you hit the nail on the head, the MRI results. It makes no sense to wait 36 to 48 hours, whatever it is. He knows. They know. I know. It's bad. Why they're waiting, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the regional announcements. Maybe it has something to do with, hell, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. That's the most important takeaway. But there are better things to talk about right now if you're an Ole Miss fan, one of which is a reclamation project in the NFL for a former Ole Miss quarterback. Let's play some football. Run right through the back of him. Run right through the middle and out the back. It's time now for... Football Fix. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. It's time for a Football Fix brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there. You're just looking to get the perfect car for you at the best deal. If that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champion sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, and they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss football, some Ole Miss baseball, with all the things going on with Ole Miss baseball right now. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or you can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. To find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep, Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Did you see this news, Brad? Okay, everybody knows the drama with Aaron Rodgers right now and the Green Bay Packers. It feels like they're inevitably barreling towards a split. Chad Kelly... Former Ole Miss quarterback. He's going to minicamp for a tryout with the Packers this weekend, I think. Chad Kelly, we've talked about it. Chad Kelly would be a starting NFL quarterback at this point if not for that ridiculous (laughs) off-the-field story where 
He ended up, I think he was dressed as Woody from Toy Story for a Halloween party and broke into somebody's house because he was really drunk and was just hanging out on their couch, drunk off his ass. He got cut by the Broncos, and it's been a downward spiral <clears throat> ever since. But, Chad, the talent has always been there, and getting an opportunity is what we've all been waiting for for him. I don't know if this is the one, but what if it is? Well, uh, here's here's the thing. So he got invited to rookie minicamp, and... Um, for people that know how that goes, they invite, um, just depending on the team, but they invite enough to have, because here's the thing, when you draft guys, bring in undrafted free agents, you bring in about 11 or 12 guys. Well, that's really not enough to go have practices and, and have, you know, ha- have an actual operation go on because all the veterans aren't there at the time. So they go out and they invite a ton of other guys. I mean, it can be up to 90 guys they invite for a rookie minicamp. And a lot of it is they're just filling out positions um, so they can actually put together a practice and, you know, whatever. So um, most of the time, you know, not to get everybody's hopes up, most of the time those are just strictly body invites, meaning they're just there to, to be a body and, and fill in. But at the end of the day, I have seen maybe a guy or two they came in just for rookie minicamp and, and actually did get signed after it. But for the most part, they, that they just bring in guys to help their, help their draft picks and their undrafted guys, um, you know, actually have a practice for two days. So it could be as quick as two days or, or maybe if they, you know, decide to sign and that, that they could, they could do that as well or get a look at them. At least we'll get a chance to actually show and get, get a look. So if they ever want to put on practice squad or actually sign them, but usually for a quarterback, it's pretty tough. Wow, this is the cold water podcast of Talk of Champions. Dang. All right, well, I thought Chad Kelly had a real chance here, but you're saying with rookie minicamp, that's really not the case. They're just working out their rookies. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he certainly has a chance. I'm not saying that, but you, a rookie minicamp, if, if that's, I'm pretty sure that's what he got invited to, is totally different than being invited to actual minicamp, which is veterans, everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, most of the time they go out and find a guy that, I mean, dude, how about this? Let me just give you an example. So if the, I've seen the Bears when I was there fly in a punter just to punt get, just to punt balls, he's essentially a tryout, just to punt balls to a guy that was a receiver that they were actually working out that they want to see catch punts. So the punter was just flying in just to, just to essentially kick balls and get a free meal. And he's a legit punter. So, I mean, it's it, they, they do things. You have to have certain guys. I mean, if you're, if you're working out a wide receiver – you got to bring a quarterback in as well, or you have no one to throw to him to watch him catch. I mean, you're not going to bring a guy from the inside of your building that's actually on the roster to go out there and throw to him. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- this is certainly an opportunity where the, the Packers can definitely like him and want to sign him, and and everything's an opportunity. But at the end of the day, a lot of these invites are, are you know, just usually two day invites for the for the minicamp. It takes a really special effort for you to get signed in these things. Here's the deal. The Chad Kelly dream, it's probably nearing its end for every Ole Miss fan out there that just wanted to see him start in the NFL because he did have the talent, and it just sucks. We're talking about injuries this entire podcast. His injury his senior year, absolutely brutal. I think he had a first to third round grade from NFL scouts going into his senior year, and then he tears his ACL. He ends up being Mr. Irrelevant to the Broncos. He was last with the Colts, cut from the practice squad September 30th. He's 27. 2016 was a long time ago, a long time ago. In his Ole Miss career, 6,800 yards, 50 touchdowns, just two years, 6,800 yards and 50 touchdowns. But he's 27. 
27 in the NFL is ancient, especially for a quarterback who's got, what, one regular season appearance in his entire career? So, yeah, just keep pouring cold water on it. I get it. It was nice to see that he's actually getting to go to an NFL team after going to Ole Miss Pro Day and throwing. But Ole Miss Pro Day, I don't think that helped really anybody. If you're not a guy going immediately into the draft, if you're Chad Kelly, Demarcus Lodge, Jalen Julius, whoever else was out there, Demario Stringfellow, they're not there to see you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they 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 brought in other receivers for that. Just like I explained, just Elijah Moore didn't get too tired and look, you know, look tired or sluggish at times. So, um, yeah, everything has a reason, and um, it is what it is. I mean, he Chad. It's all about opportunities in the NFL, and when your opportunity comes, which his opportunity did come, you have to you have to take advantage of it at the time. And and he was right on the on the on the brink of taking advantage of it, and obviously got in trouble. And then now you get this label on you, and they just kind of move on by. I mean, it's it's a weird business, man. I can't explain it to you. I've seen it happen to multiple guys over over the years, and for whatever reason, they just don't get an opportunity. I mean, it's just. They just teams just are kind of over you and done with you. I mean, it's a it's it's a weird deal because Chad Kelly does have the talent, but it's going to take somebody believing in him and give him opportunity. Well, now they look and say, hey, well, it's been 2016 since he drafted. There's a whole bunch of other young guys coming in. I mean, it's just sometimes the game just passes you up, and it doesn't have really a whole lot to do with talent because he has a ton of talent. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll go to minicamp and 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 show out, and they'll give them a chance to at least be around for camp. Which quarterbacks is dependent. Some keep three, some keep. Very rarely do they ever bring four to camp. But you know, so you know, maybe maybe he gets the third spot for camp. So um, yeah, it would be sure be nice to see him do something. Jordan Tiamu was cut from the Chiefs. Just everybody, everybody, join in on this misery that is talk of champions. Good grief. Is there any good news? Here's a quarterback with Ole Miss connections. It's Arch Manning, the guy that you're going to be paying attention to for the next two recruiting cycles. According to Steve Wilfong of 247 Sports, he caught up with Cooper, good friend of the program, Cooper Manning. Arch has June visits locked in for Clemson, SMU, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia. And I know, I know, Ole Miss was not one of those visits that he has locked in. And I know, I know, you're panicking. He's been to Ole Miss and LSU a lot. And he's a 2023 kid. So I don't think anybody should be reading too much into any of this right now. Is, is it really going to be like this? Wall-to-wall coverage until this kid makes a decision? My God. We're already tracking his summer visit schedule when he's not even remotely close to even narrowing things down to who he's going to be picking from. And Ole Miss will be in that group. Does he end up at Ole Miss? I have no idea. If we're up to Cooper, yes. But it's not up to him. He's leaving it up to his kid, as he should. Stay out of your kid's business. But that was on the front page of my website. We had no say in that. It was Steve Wolfong. He's a national recruiting guy. And obviously, Ole Miss fans care. There was one Ole Miss mention that he's been to Ole Miss and LSU a lot. You freaking out yet? You're a big Ole Miss fan, and I know you care. You freaking out yet? No, I'm not I'm not freaking out at all because um, I, I've said this before. I would love to have Arch Manning. He's a big part of Ole Miss history. I mean, his family is. Um, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. Obviously, he has a bunch of people around him that is that you know that, that just is going to help push him over the edge. He has a lot of a lot of people to, to seek advice from. But at the end of the day, Arch Manning will not be the only quarterback in that class that Ole Miss can win with, and and that that's just honest to goodness truth. And as long as we have a good coach, a good coaching staff that goes out and can recruit nationally and provide Ole Miss with talent. 
Um, I would love for it to be an Arch Manning, but at the end of the day, if it isn't, you know, it's not the end of the world. Ole Miss can win with other quarterbacks. They have won with other quarterbacks before. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're hoping we get him, um, but I'm not going to be one of those crazies that is, is going to lose my mind if we don't get an Arch Manning. Because at the end of the day, the kid's going to go out. He's going to to go to all these different schools. And he's going to choose what's best for him because he is the one that has to live. He's the one that has to, to live the life. He's the one that actually has to go to school, enjoy it. It's not going to be up to Ole Miss fans to choose for this kid. It's it's going to be what he wants to do with his life, and whatever he decides to do, it's it's going to be a decision that I'm sure he's going to have, you know, lots of advice going going forward in it. So um, I, I hope and pray it's Ole Miss, but at the end of the day, the kid's got to go out and and go where where go with where he's comfortable, and and I'm sure he will. Cooper said he wants to see Virginia, where his older sister will attend school, North Carolina. He's talked to Notre Dame, Ohio State, Stanford, and USC, Tennessee, and Duke. Oh, I wonder why Duke, there's a connection there, David Cutcliffe. Just bring David Cutcliffe back. Lock it up. Anyway, Tennessee and Duke are a couple of other programs he's built a, quote, rapport with. So there you go. Those are the early schools. I think if you made me handicap it right now, I'd probably say Clemson's the leader. But again, it's way too early to even say leader, right? It seems absurd. He's a 2023 kid. I just want Ole Miss fans to not let this be another Peyton Manning situation. I don't want to be 60 years old if I make it that far. God willing, 60 years old, hearing about, God, man, Arch picked Clemson. He's supposed to be at Ole Miss. He's supposed to follow Eli Cooper's his dad. We can't have a Peyton Manning redux here with Ole Miss fans, right? Archie let Peyton make his own decision. And we were asking the mailbag, I think the last mailbag, is the reason why Peyton didn't end up here is because of NCAA sanctions. Well, that was a big reason why. It gave him an extra excuse, but also Cooper getting hurt. Cooper getting hurt was the biggest deciding factor, not playing football anymore, because he wanted to throw to Cooper, and Cooper got hurt. The NCAA sanctions, that just sealed the deal. It was over. But if Archie, not Archie, excuse me, Arch, if Arch just picks another school that's not Ole Miss, it's okay. Just don't let it be another Peyton Manning situation where you're just bemoaning the fact that he didn't come here, that he didn't end up at Ole Miss, yeah. right? Because you're right. I mean, Matt Corral's a good example. He's from California. He didn't have any Ole Miss connection. He's here. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks statistically to ever come through. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, too, man, I mean, sometimes he's sometimes for a, guy, a kid like Arch, um, maybe he's seen he's he's heard about you know obviously he's. Old Miss his whole life heard heard about Old Miss everything this family's done here. Sometimes you just simply want to go somewhere else and create your own legacy. You know what I mean? I mean it's just a um, you know I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm obviously that not not in that. But at the end of the day, I mean he may just say, you know what, I want to go experience something new at, at a new part of the country, which and, is and perfectly fine, perfectly fine, with, perfectly with, reasonable, with, right? Absolutely, it, it really is, and I hope Old Miss fans respect that. But at the end of the day. You know, Ole Miss will get their shot at him. I mean, obviously, he's he's going to have his – I mean, his, his dad's going to certainly want want him to be at Ole Miss, but I'm sure he's not going to be in his face with it. And, and Ole Miss will be right in there. I mean, if, if you told me today, I think Ole Miss will be top three. I really think they'll have a chance to to, um, to get the kid. I really do. But uh, we can't go on and just, and just cry over it for the next couple of years. I mean, Ole Miss is going to bring in good quarterbacks and, you know, they're, the program's going to go on. They're going to they're have a good quarterback of some sort in there. And um, I mean, yeah, is it going to suck if he's won a national title somewhere else? Yeah, it is. But 
um, Ole Miss will Ole Miss will be fine, you know, with or without. Two things: one, you got to win, and two, the best advice I ever got. It completely changed my perspective about Ole Miss sports. It was back when the NCAA stuff was really just we were in the middle of it as beat reporters, and it was every day just in the muck dealing with rumors and what was happening and what the NCAA was going for. The investigative arm of the NCAA was going for all this stuff. And I was on a plane with Chuck. And I think we were going to Texas or Georgia. One, I can't remember. But we're flying somewhere. And I'm sitting there going, golly, Chuck. I'm hearing this, this, and this. And if this happens, you know, Shay's going to go and transfer out. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of DK potentially going to Arizona State. What if AJ leaves? And Chuck and Ben, let me stop you right there. Even if all that happened, Ole Miss football will still be here in 10 years. Ole Miss football will still be around playing games in 10 years. And here we are, after all of that, those years of misery, entering 2021 with Lane Kiffin as the head coach, coming off of a 5-5 five and five season, including a win in the Outback Bowl, which is a bowl they never, ever go to, with the best quarterback returning in the SEC and sky-high expectations. So even if Arch Manning ends up at Clemson, at Notre Dame, pick a school, Ole Miss football will still go on. We'll still be here five years from now talking about Ole Miss sports. Nothing will change in that respect. And it completely changed my perspective. I was like, yeah, why is my entire existence or why is my entire mood being in any way affected about about Shea Patterson potentially transferring? Like That shouldn't be the thing that drives how I'm feeling today. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then and here's the thing. I mean, if, if Ole Miss wins big this year and they go into this recruiting cycle with them knowing Matt Corral is going out, yeah, you have a Luke Altmaier, but tell me that we aren't going to be very attractive for a, for a, for a high-end quarterback coming in, knowing that could potentially play in year one or two if, if he comes in and competes. So, um, we're going to be an attractive school after, after the season, especially for the starting quarterback role. Here's a little scenario for you. Do you think that the quarterback after Matt Corral is currently on the roster? Because I'm not so sure that that next quarterback won't be a grad transfer. Yeah, I, I just think it'll, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell right now, man, because I mean, Luke Altmaier should have been in high school, should have been graduating high school, probably what, uh, probably coming up in yeah. a week or two. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you just don't know. I mean, you have to see how it goes throughout this year. And then, um, you know, coming into next year, I mean, it, it, they'll know. I mean, they're going to bring in, I'm, I'm sure they're going to recruit a guy in this cycle, a decent guy. And then, you know, they'll, they'll evaluate him. If, if they don't look like they can be the starting guy, I'm sure they'll go out to the transfer portal and bring in a, a vet. But I think we're a long ways of, of knowing whether or not the starter is here. But from all reports, I mean, Altmeyer is, um, you know, I mean, he's, He's been right on par with what they thought, um, especially considering how young he is. Okay, that's fair. Name the one school or couple of schools that you just don't want to see Arch Manning playing for. Well, I mean, if he doesn't, if he, if Arch Manning doesn't um, come to Ole Miss, honestly, would honestly would prefer him to go out to Stanford or or Clemson or something like that, and just not in the SEC anywhere, just because it's um, you, know, you don't want to have to go up and face the kid. At the end of the day, if he goes to Stanford, you never see those games. They come on at like midnight our time, so you'll you'll only hear about how good he's doing. But yeah, I mean, I I think that if he doesn't go to Ole Miss, um, he chooses a school that that really has something special, like a Stanford or a Duke or a 
you know, somewhere where the education is, is, is pretty darn good as well. And, and then maybe a Clemson who's, you know, premier program, the ACC, and then has a really good coach and staff. Yeah, just don't go to Alabama because every single year Ole Miss fans will have to relive that and have to go through the whole, well, the history of Ole Miss and the Manning family and now Arch Manning leading Alabama. Just don't go to like an Alabama. And then Ole Miss fans won't panic as much. Just don't make it a Peyton Manning Redux. That was your football fix here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. And that's where you can find Bradley South posting pretty regularly. Give him a shout-out. Say, Brad, got a question for you. And you're pretty good about answering. I'll give you credit. You're good. You're like a celebrity on that board because people just love when Brad posts. <laughs> yeah, and I'm serious about my softball ad too. If there's anybody out there that can that can play a little softball, hit me up ASAP because we, we may have a spot for you this Wednesday. Oh, you desperately need some help. I'm just so <laughs> glad, so glad you were served that humble pie. You deserved it. I feel oh, like man. you deserved that. It's great. It's great. All the shit you talk to me about everything – <laughs> I feel kind of vindicated today. Well, any guy that likes Dak Prescott, I got to talk some shit to. But anyways. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Got to go to Stephen Godfrey on the Modern Woman phone line. See you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Jumping down to Stephen Godfrey on the Modern Woman phone line. But before we do, let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together.
This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to my good buddy, Stephen Godfrey of SBNation.com. Hey, buddy, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, you know, quiet right now. Extremely quiet, I would say. Eerily quiet? Eerily quiet. I think um, part of that is because we are returning to the normal schedule of the offseason, but there are still some restrictions in place and, and with regard to recruiting and also off-season camps that, look, man, it's actually a good time to be a college football coach because you can probably take more vacations this year than you ever have in your career and still have a job. So as far as news goes, no, we're too far away from a realignment cycle. We haven't had any controversies in terms of coach firings. We're the site, So the, the, the carousel is officially done as of Friday because Buffalo hired a coach and their coach went to Kansas. So – I mean, we, I, I would expect everything to stay geared down until probably right about after the 4th when the coaches are kind of back full-time getting ready for camps and then media day season starts, which I think will be maybe a little wilder this year because it was so abbreviated last year. Um, but until then, I think everyone's just sort of hopeful and thankful that there will be a functional season this year. Well, the coaching carousel isn't completely over with, Stephen. There is an offensive line coach that has Why to be hired in Oxford, Mississippi. At Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Um, what did you make of that? There, there. I thought it was very funny, based on the things that I've heard. Um, I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very Lane Kiffin-esque. Um, you know, Clements to me, and Clements nationally. It's just known as Kendall Browse's boy. I mean, like, I kind of found it odd that he didn't go with Kendall to Arkansas, to be honest with you. And I think maybe that's because Kendall is working for an old uh, line coach in Sam Pittman. So, you know, everywhere he's gone, I'm trying to think, uh, Florida State, Houston, I mean, they were, they were a package together. So I didn't think he would last long without Kendall is what I'm getting at. Everything I've heard is it, it just came down to Lane Kiffin and Randy Clements. Put simply, they were incompatible at that point. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't shock me at all. Yeah. I don't think it was one thing. There might have been a final thing, but I, I, I really doubt that it was one incident, and I think it was probably death by a thousand cuts. So, well, we have you really know, heard it's funny because since, from the outside. Though. Go ahead. Right, and that's why I don't think it was one incident. Yeah. Um, Clements isn't a media guy anyway, so it's not like you're going to hear It's not like he's going to air his, his laundry that way. So, um, you know, Lane, Lane has a larger than life media profile. You know, he's going to control narrative on that. Obviously he doesn't want to talk about it either. So I don't think you're going to find out, but to be honest, I don't think there's a smoking gun or anything. What's really strange is you've heard nothing about candidates that could potentially replace him since he made the move. And I don't know what the time frame is because this is unprecedented. You usually don't. This see isn't any, really a yeah. great time of year. Right. Yeah. For an on-field position coach, this is not a great time of year to be shopping. The store is at its barest. I'll put it that way. And you're probably going to have to poach, and you're probably going to have to poach from a from a lesser than program. Unless you go to I don't know a Tennessee and get a guy that worked with you previously and give him a promotion. Very possible very possible it's going to be like that it is not going to be like hey we went and got a sitting you know big 12 or acc you know offensive line coach 
going to have to be someone in Lane's network given the schedule and time of year. It's not incredibly strange for some position coaches to change right now, but so the calendar for personnel in the sport has really undergone a kind of widening in the last five years. If you go back to look at firings like Hugh Freeze and Art Bryles, where you're having big staff turnovers in weird times of year, there's a ripple effect to all of that. Even Kansas firing less miles than they did opening up a surge. Um, there's always a ripple effect to that. The one thing that, you know, is it, it, it's not going to get as much national play, Ben, is the FCS is playing football right now. You know, there's a lot of coaches that the FCS has openings. You know, I guess technically the carousel is not done, but the carousel that most people care about is done. So this is becoming year-round. It becomes a little disingenuous to the kids that you recruit, but that shouldn't be new. College football is always disingenuous to the players. But, um, you know, someone like Lane Kiffin, who's extremely well-connected, um, he's going to be fine. He's going to pull a guy from somewhere. It's not going to blow you away, but it's not really supposed to. When can you expect a decision like that? Can you expect any particular time? I don't really think you can, especially with Lane Kiffin, because look, I don't I mean, think there's any urgency right now. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just make look your decision when you're ready. You tell. So you tell me. I mean, you're in Oxford, and I'm not, and you're around the program every day, and I'm not. What is the offense? What is the real offensive brain trust of that of that staff? Jeff Lebby. It's the head coach, and who else? Jeff Lebby. Okay. Right. Some O-line coaches like a Jeff Grimes are really committed to and sort of involved in, you know, the, the, the game plan. And I've sat in many, many meeting rooms where like most times the O-line coaches in there when they're doing scripting. But when you have a guy like Lane, who's sort of a, a big personality and, and very much a, kind of a tour, the O-line coach is not critical to forward progress in offensive planning. Also, mm. it's May. There's nothing going on. It's not like you're build. They're not building the book right now for. Do they play in League One Louisville? Like they're not doing that. Yeah. They're not. They're not watching Brian Brown's defense right now. Yeah, Some Randy Clements isn't analysts, working with Ben but, Brown and the other offensive linemen or anything like that. It's not like they're having positional meetings. Now, I would say this: having a good relationship, a a, I have to be careful how I say this because people are going to misconstrue it. Like having a year round relationship with your position coach is very beneficial. And for O linemen not to have a position coach, like there, that, that provides a level of uncertainty that nobody wants. Don't let them fool you. Yeah. So it's not something I would dawdle on. How's that? I like that. So, what are the SEC meetings going to include? What are they going to cover? I know the one thing that they've got to cover is the in-conference transferring because the one-year penalty-free transfer, it's passed, it's good to go, but the SEC has to alter its own rules. Is that number one on the list of things to do? Hmm. As far as stuff that they're actually going to admit that they're doing? <laughs> I mean, I think that um, I, I, transfer is one. The next would be I'm trying to think probably an internal a conference policy. something that they can find a way to wrap their arms around with, uh, with regard to NIL. That'll be the next thing. 
So because this is happening on the state level, because the NCAA is completely worthless and basically actively hiding from, from the winds of change, um, this is happening on a state legislature level, which is insane because that means in any given Power 5 conference, the rules are going to be different as you go from team to team. So the league is going to try and create a bulwark against that. That would probably be their first initiative. Most of the states are passing some sort of legislation to encourage this. It's being voted – I think it's voted on this week maybe or last – I think it was last week in Louisiana. It was last week in Georgia. Mississippi's already done it. Carolina's um, – I mean it's, it, it's – Florida's already pushed it through. Like there's – there's a most of the SEC footprint is in favor of this for obvious football reasons, but I think the league wants to have some sort of standard policy. That's the biggest thing. But is, is the NCAA that, maybe, just going to pretend uh, like probably, this is, isn't happening? Are they just going to keep pretending like the name, image, and likeness uh, stuff? So just imagine, imagine the NCAA is like the kids at the lunchroom right now, where you play that game where it's like you bend your finger back as far as you can, and then someone says uncle, and like they're going to grit their teeth and try and be the, the last to say uncle because it's coming. I think what the NCAA wants to do is play victim as usual and wait until the tidal wave is so tall and so close to the beach that they just sort of come out and say, well, like, well there was nothing we could do. They want to abdicate any responsibility. The bottom line is they're losing a revenue model. This is all changing. And they're not they're, You know, if they dick around on this, which they have so far, and they and they bungle it. What they really run the risk of now is losing football completely, which I think is more realistic than people want to give it credit for. The NCAA controls the postseason in basketball, but football they don't control at all. Football doesn't really like if 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 the Power Five tomorrow. And I think it would start. I think it would start in the SEC, and I think it would start in the Big Twelve and the ACC, and then it would pressure the Big Ten, which has more of a uh, belief system rooted in the NCAA for sort of public academic reasons. But if you if you started there and you pressured the majority of the Power Five to say like, "No, we're done. We're just leaving," um, that would open up those. The, you know, the autonomous Power Five is really powerful. That's all the TV. What I just described to you is something like 96% of the television revenue, I think. Now, when you would be left with the American, and maybe the American goes too, honestly. You know, you have programs like UCF and Houston that are doing every single thing they can to function like Power Five. So it's very possible they would go too. And then, then um, you know, you would be left with the low tier G5s and the FCS. It's very possible that could happen. It's already heading that way, it's going to be there at some point. Whether it's now or 10 years from now. Well, if you want to make it less dramatic, you're talking about like, we don't like the NCAA or we shouldn't be this or we have to do this or we want to do this. Just look at it this way. Right now, structurally, we have a system that views Alabama and Louisiana Monroe as the same thing. Okay. So in the bylaws and the rules, Alabama and ULM are supposed to follow the same rules. They're supposed to have the same advantages and disadvantages, and they're supposed to function identical, identical to one another in terms of practice. Is there any universe in which that's realistic? Of course not. Yeah. Let's go look at their budgets. Yeah. 
I mentioned Alabama because it is perennial. It's usually not the number one athletic operating budget in the country, but to me, it's the most powerful in the country, not because of the national titles, but because of the willingness and the cohesion between the program, private business, and state legislature to get things done. That's the be- that, that's sort of the secret beauty of Alabama is that they are the most powerful and the most efficient because they have the, all of their pipelines work in the same direction. Whereas like Mississippi is just a perpetual trash fire with like sewage everywhere. So, you know, the University of Alabama, everything like, so like the gripes that you might have on the show or someone comes on talking about the IHL, yeah, that just doesn't exist in Alabama. If anything were to, if the IHL were to ever pull, like if you were to ever have a similar situation where the IHL has pulled rank on Ole Miss before or pulled rank on Mississippi State or done something against the interests of one of those schools or programs, Alabama would just murder their IHL. They would just, they would snuff it out. Yeah. I mean, UAB pissed them off on a casual level about a basketball coach's comment, and they killed the whole football program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't like like you're not the mob; they're the mob. They're the mob, and so you have that kind of concentrated power in one program, and then you have Louisiana Monroe, the most resource deficient program that I can think of, maybe outside of New Mexico State. And I've been to Las Cruces, and I would say that their facilities are better. And I'm in Monroe all the time. So I know of what I speak. Maybe, maybe UMass. So if you are a college football fan, how much longer are you going to tolerate this? And see, it's a decent question. I think Ole Miss fans specifically may not worry too much about it because they the game day experience is so different. So you know, if if you're listening to this and you don't go to every old Miss game, maybe you go to one or two a year, and maybe you just want to see your friends, and then maybe you have kids that want to run around or whatever. Like you have the Grove experience, which is sort of has always been the problem for Ole Miss is that sometimes, sometimes, often the Grove trumps the stadium. I would say almost always. So if the Rebels are playing Louisiana Monroe and they win by 45, that's fine. You know. But if you're an Alabama or a Tennessee fan, like Tennessee's a great example because their game day is not. I, 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 it's. I'm trying to say this nicely, Ben. So I've I've covered probably twenty ish. I've covered like twenty games, I think, over fifteen years in Knoxville, and they've done a lot of work on campus. But I think people would be shocked to realize how urban a campus UT Knoxville is, and that there's not a lot of green space. Mm-hmm. Like the the best tailgating is done on the top of parking garages. It's not the same aesthetic because the water. So the stadium's up. The stadium's in a really dense area. It's up against the water. There's just not a lot of breathable room. This is my point. Nayland is the attraction, and so if you're a UT fan and you're going in for the experience, the game is a much larger part of the experience. And so if you are going in to watch Tennessee beat ULM by 45 points, what's the value in that? Mm-hmm. I think if you're a Georgia, Ole Miss, maybe maybe even Bama, I think it kind of really depends on what you're going for in the campus experience. Like, what do you want to go? What what do, you, what do you want your game day to be? But if you're going in for the football value of it, or here's an even better example, honestly, if you're just at home consuming this passively on television, how much like how, how I wonder how how much longer as we go through generations of college football fans do people really want to fire up the SEC network and be like, okay, well, an eight and four Kentucky team. He's playing a one and eleven Akron team to start the season. No one wants to watch that. Like those are their pre- previous. 
Right, right, right. It's getting to a point where it's getting ludicrous. Yeah. And so, and, and I love the group of five. I love the group of five. I grew up on FCS football and the team that I grew up cheering for became a group of five team. So I am not besmirching them. I'm saying, let's just be a little bit more realistic because I do like some of the things that basketball does. There is a passion here in Nashville for Belmont. Like they're in the OVC, I think, right? The, their tournament every year is a big deal. And there's an energy around that sport because they do a better job hearing it, I think. At the end, you all get to go to a really cool tournament and everybody plays and sometimes Bucknell beats Kansas, right? Sometimes. But there's a way to be a passionate uh, Western Kentucky basketball fan or something and be rewarded for it. And I think that NCAA football has beaten down the middle and the low end to a point where it's hard to be a passionate fan of Troy. Yeah. You know, and the health of the sport is reliant on active fan bases. And it's not just Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. It's not. It cannot be or it won't work. Two quick questions. I'll let you go. Number one, will the in-conference transfer rule be adjusted? Will they change it to allow that to happen at least once? Because I don't think that people understand that it's not a Mm. slam dunk. There is definitely a split divide here in regards to changing the rule. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I don't think they're going to, unless uh, unless they're pressured to by other leagues. I think that if they, uh, I'm going to bet right now, no. Mm. I'd be shocked if they were that progressive. I would be shocked. So just think real fast about the kind of changes that we see in the SEC inside the conference. Okay. All right. So Mike Bobo is the offensive coordinator at Auburn last year. He was the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Derek Mason was hired at Auburn last year. He was the head coach at Vanderbilt. This is just in the last cycle. I can go on. There's other guys, definitely, right? We see this happen a lot. Sam Pittman gets the head coaching job at Arkansas. He was the O-line coach at Georgia. Matt Luke goes from Ole Miss to Georgia. Okay, so we keep going, we keep going, we keep going. I think you know where I'm headed. If we see about that frequency of personnel change of position coaches alone every year, I mean, that's a lot of interested parties and that's a lot of roster rating. And that's what the league is scared of. Even on a one-time clip, if you get kids for four years, how often are you changing coaches? You just have to be a little bit more flexible with granting waivers because the waiver process, I think, is what frustrates coaches. I think they should. Yeah. Yes, but coaches—that's that's what pisses off the coaches—is the waiver stuff because it's, there's no rhyme or reason for it. No, there's well, the problem with the waiver is not the waiver. The problem is that there's—I would be amazed if anyone could draw me a straight line exactly. through the waivers. Um, so Ben, you remember like during the whole saga of the NCAA and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, one of the things that kept coming up in my reporting and kept coming, everyone's reporting was. The NCAA likes to silo. And what that means is, so like in a normal court of law, there's precedent in cases that have occurred before. So if you go in front of the Supreme Court, you argue their decisions based on this case and this case, you know, the the court ruled this, so this means why. What the NCAA does in their fake court is they, they, they do not allow for precedent. Everything is done in a silo. Yeah. And the waivers are a great example of that because, I mean, you might as well just roll a pair of dice. And if it's even, they're in. If it's odd, they're not. 
because there, I cannot understand the logic that is going on. So um, I think the one-time transfer rule should apply because if you were recruited to Vanderbilt specifically because you think Derek Mason is the kind of man that you want to play for and he's going to Auburn and you are good enough to play on Auburn's defense, you should be able to go. I, I agree with that completely. It just doesn't make sense for Otis Reese to have to sit for all but like three games and then for other guys at Tennessee and elsewhere to get granted immediate eligibility and play all year. And then sure. in absence right. of information and direct um, just information flowing from the top to the general populace, what will come in its place? Conspiracy theories. And that's what you see about waivers and anything else. That's just what will happen. Hey, man, make my job irrelevant. Yeah. Make my job irrelevant. Until yeah. then, I exist because the NCAA is, is the easiest, widest target. It's yeah. pretty hard to miss. All right, last question here. The SEC football championship odds came out from BetMGM, Alabama, minus 105, obviously number one in the SEC. Seventh is Ole Miss at plus 1,800. Is that about right? <laughs> Give it, what's, what's up, one, two, three? Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss. Uh, Auburn's high, and LSU is a, is a touch low. I don't think they're going to win. And uh, Ole Miss is right about where I would put them. Um, uh, Alabama's high, Georgia's low. I would swap them out. Um, I think there's a weird amount of – we are now seeing a total faith in Nick Saban, and the likes of which I've never seen in college football history because of the personnel that they're replacing to say that they are the championship favorites versus what is on the roster at Georgia. Is a total and complete faith in one man. It's amazing. It really is. When you look at what they lost, just at skill positions, just at skill positions. Don't worry about the coaches because now they've shown like they can literally turn over an entire coaching staff minus the head coach and be fine. They're seemingly doing it every year. I wrote a story for Athlon. Yeah. Well, I wrote a story for Athlon. It'll be out in like July, I think, where it's just like it doesn't matter. And everywhere else, it will cripple you. I wrote two stories for Athlon this year about the same subject, which was how can LSU recover after going through all these changes? And then why basically the same scenario doesn't even make Alabama blink. Not even a blip on the radar. The personnel losses, the personnel losses they've suffered in terms of the coaching staff should not should always equate to a to an increase in losses at any other power five program always and you know after clemson just beat their head into the sidewalk they turned over basically the entire staff minus the head coach and there was no there was no discernible valley right one loss two loss no loss no loss, one loss, two loss. That's it. That's their valley. It's insane. So what that has finally prompted people to do is go, oh, I don't care that they lost their quarterback, their top two receivers, their running back, their um, top corner. I think their second corner. Like, they don't care, which is nuts. Because the amount of volume – because last year we talked about LSU lost everybody. That's what we kept saying, right? LSU lost everybody. So they're not going to be as good this year. And, they and now we're talking about Alabama being in the playoff as a penciled-in team in the playoff this year. Yeah. Insane. Minus 105 from Bet MGM. I will say this. Um, Ole Miss at seven seems about right. Ole Miss, needs that, Ole Miss needs to have a winning season this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just need to have a winning season. This Matt year. Corral the being the best it. returning well, SEC quarterback. When you look at the field that's trying to compete, I guess, with Alabama, who's untouchable to all predictive markets and everybody else. Um, Ole Miss, you could make a case. Lane's going to lose. I don't, I, don't I don't know how colorful I can get here, but like Lane's going to lose his, his MFing mind this year if they can't get if they can't get stops relative to a Big Twelve, a mid-level Big Twelve defense. Because what he has personnel-wise. And I think maybe this is the you, – you're a better person to say this than me or, or estimate this than me. I think on the O-line specifically, they're going to be close to normal again post-sanction. Mm-hmm. And so with what they can do on offense, even losing uh, more, they are going to be threatening. They're going to be scary. But if they have to play basketball like they did last year, I, uh, Lane is just going to completely lose it. He's going to have no patience. They have to have some discernible. Yeah, there, there just has to be a discernible, noticeable improvement. I'm not saying be good. I'm just saying don't be the worst. Just be in the um, '80s. Be in the and, '80s nationally. Yeah. Well, like opposing coaches have told me repeatedly, like you put the film on, and in the front, you can run on them exactly when you want to. You can pass on them exactly when you want to because you're not getting any pressure. And there's just no – like, I had one guy say, he's like, you look at their seven and you just don't see anything, like, on the edges or, you know, in the middle of the field on defense that looks like an SEC body. That's how he described it to me. So, that has to change immediately. He's Stephen Godfrey of SB Nation. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Bubba. Be nice to the Braves.